Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nice. And a triple header if you're listening on podcast players. They'll be split into three separate videos on YouTube. The Tour de Suisse Stage 4 recap, then Baloise Belgium Tour and Slovenia Stages one and one for both of them. We've got Remco Evenepoel. He is back. Uh, tour de Suisse, though, will do first as it is a World Tour race. We'll honour the World Tour designation for this race, even though it wasn't that exciting a stage. 171Ks from Sanctoban to Stad. One big climb of the day, the Sana Musa Pass. 7.5Ks, 4.4%. Very regular than a... Oh, descent of five to six kilometers, then a very flat finish on what looked like an airfield. Uh, wet today, raining on and off. Matthew van der Poel narrowly in the leader's jersey, I believe, ahead of Julian Alfleet by one second and Kung by four seconds. I'll let Benji do the break in a second, but if you hear some noise, someone drilling in the sunny Egypt at 5.30 doing that, not my fault. There was a kid making noise outside, though, in the hallway. They've been dealt with, but I can't do anything about the uh, the drilling. <laughs> All right, Benji. There's some break shenanigans early on that, that didn't make sense to you that you brought up with me. Yeah, I found it pretty funny because we started off the stage with a breakaway of, I think it was uh, four riders. And uh, that breakaway actually held on for half of the stage. And halfway the race, the break was caught. And the peloton chased down that breakaway and caught that breakaway because then we saw attacks. Wout Pools and Rohan Dennis onto the attack uh, in a three-man group. I don't know which the third rider was in that attack, but um, a very odd move because it's like in the middle of a stage and the climb is like very far ahead. Perhaps Dennis and Pools were like, oh, we're going to try something. And they were gone for a, a little bit, like a good 30 seconds minute. And um, well, in time that they were ahead, not as in the gap, because the gap was nowhere near that. And eventually they got caught again and another breakaway got away. And then suddenly the peloton changed their mind. They're like, oh, that first breakaway with people that didn't matter for GC, those were uh, dangerous. Yes, we're going to catch them. But the second breakaway of the day, the ones with, again, riders that don't matter for GC, uh, those guys can those guys can take the stage because from now on, we don't care about the stage anymore. And uh, that breakaway included Stefan Bissiger, Benjamin Thomas. We've got... Joey Roscoff, I think, and also another rider, Joel Sitter, if my mind is correct. Roscoff now rides for Rally? Yes. Um, that's true. Really? Oh my God. Sorry, mind blown. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they eventually started the climb with seven minutes. Seven minutes on the <laughs> peloton. Unbelievable. So, uh, yeah. Well, cowardice. I can't wrap my head around it. Like It's cowardice. I mean, you've been beaten by Mathieu van der Poel two days in a row on sort of puncher-style stages. This isn't a puncher stage. It's a straight, it's a very linear stage that should be more easy to control than those stages. You've got pancake flat, then a big ring climb, 75 k 4%. I mean, Bissiger was, you know, fine on it, and he's not the best climber in the world. I mean, neither is Thomas either, but... And then it's a flat sprint finish. It's wet. It's not the stage MVDP would have 
necessarily, I mean, he would have still been the favourite, but I'm not saying it's guaranteed he would have won. And teams like Bike Exchange with Matthews, Movistar, Ivan Garcia, Cortina, Cofidis, Fuller, Port. Cofidis wouldn't help. They didn't help Movistar. Movistar decided with the gap at six minutes that that was the time to start really pulling it back, um, which, again, is, if you if you want to have designs on a stage, and we've seen this in the Giro, don't start pulling at five minutes. Pull at two minutes, keep it tight, and you know then you can bring it back and really have a go at the end. So pretty funny from the World Tour teams or the other World Tour teams that basically were scared of being beaten by Matthew van der Poel. Again, can we blame them? I think so. You know, you, you always have to try. Still, even if your ride has a 5% chance of a World yep. Tour victory, even Garcia Cortina doesn't win World Tour races every day. So the break was going to win. And yeah, what did you see on that climb, Benji? It was basically Suter struggling. Yeah, Suter was struggling. And it's weird because I do recall him climbing pretty well in, I think, the Tour of Turkey on that Gogu Belly climb or whatever it was called. He was in the break as well. And he <laughs> rode away from that. people. <laughs> I don't know how I remember it. But <laughs> okay. So uh, Joel Sitter attacked her from the breakaway and actually held on for quite a long time. So I was surprised that he was the first one to drop on the climb here. A uh, bit of an odd uh, odd comparison between the two, I know, but still. Uh, anyway, he was dropping from the breakaway, so three men left, and uh, they were about to uh, drop into this descent. And the peloton, we had some moves. I think Anton Balzer did something. I don't know why. But at a certain point, I watched the TV and he was like five meters before the peloton. And I looked back and he was caught again. So no clue what happened. <laughs> there were too many races going on to to in, be interested in what the peloton was doing on that climb into the Swiss. And uh, eventually in the descent, Bissiger was a very decent descender to my as well. Roskov, which I expect to be relatively decent at descending, did end up being on a few gaps sometimes. And... Let's be honest, nothing really happened for the rest of the stage and they entered the last uh, 200 meters, which was a really cool finish. Like, well, Roscoff tried to attack the two track guys. He yeah, true, he tried to true. attack them a couple of times. He didn't want to go to the finish with Bissiger and Tomar because I think Benjamin Tomar, he's uh, the Omnium world champ or something. Um, and Bissiger is definitely a track guy as well. Yeah, Benjamin Tomar won the Omnium, I think. In 2020, don't quote me on that. So they're both quick guys, and Ross Kopf is more a TT style engine guy, not a yeah. not a sprinter. So yeah, he tried to shake them off, and yeah, w- what sort of finish was it? it? Was weird. It was like a like that uh, stage four in the Dauphiné last year, an airfield. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It looked like that, and uh, it was Bissiger going into the last 250 meters. He took the front. He decided to take on the sprint in first place, and usually Thomas a pretty decent sprinter, as in he can actually get like a top a far top 10 position somewhere in a sprint. And he decided to go from second place. Roshkov was in third place, was on a bit of a gap a bit earlier and got back again after a... Well, oh, Roshkov was corner, first. Basically. He let it out. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, my memory. But then he faded straight away. It was basically between Bissiger let out Tomar. Yeah? Bissiger let out Tomar. Yeah, and okay. then Tomar was... We thought he got into the wheel of Bissiger and they kicked really late, 175 to go. And then Bissiger just kept kicking. Kept going, and that's why, yeah, Benji and I were surprised because Tomar yep. is a really good sprinter, and yeah, Bisca absolutely smoked him really in this wet sprint in the Tour de Suisse, winning his second World Tour race of the season, won the stage in Paris, the TT ahead of Remy Cavagna. So, was it Kuhn won stage the TT, Bisca won this stage, so two Swiss wins already for 
the Tour de Suisse. And, uh, yeah, pretty – I mean, just he's a really strong rider, Stefan Bischiger. But it, it all panned out perfectly for him because he really received little pressure on that climb. So how we'll go in a proper medium mountain stage, I'm not so sure. Uh, he's a top 10. Bissiger, Tomar, Roscoff, Suter, Turns, Edward Turns, that is. Molana, Freyla, Turnison, Wright, Matthews in 10. No changes to the top 10 in GC. Uh, any any other thoughts on this Tour de Suisse stage, Benji? Two things. First of all, why the hell are you sprinting turns in Milano? Like, why? <laughs> it makes zero fucking sense to sprint for 5th and 6th position. UCI you're nowhere points. near the front of the points classification. UCI points, let's be real. If you're going to go for that these <laughs> days, well, okay, you can have it. But, um... Yeah, I don't get it. I don't PCS get it at all. And, uh, points. Yeah, that, that's the reason. Um, anyway, the second thing I want to point is that someone asked me today what we think that the limits are for Bissinger because he's climbing relatively decently. We don't know what that's going to be like on like uh, proper climbing competition. Yesterday he dropped, so let's be real. It's not insane. We've seen him do prologues. We've seen him do... Uh, Cobbles wasn't he in RVV, the last rider that got caught from the breakaway. Um, where do we think his limits lie? Do we think that, for example, a rider like Bissiger, let's say he could also do stuff like we are expecting from a Ganon on Roubaix, for example, because he seems to be that kind of person that fits that perfectly. Yeah, he seems much more suited to something like Roubaix. I mean, we saw in Paris-Nice on a sort of hilly circuit, he was struggling a lot to protect the leader's jersey. I think which he went into. So he's a really he's not tall. He's a really stocky, well built guy. One of the like biggest guys in cycling, in road cycling that is. Um, so I think <laughs> yeah, Roubaix suits him a lot actually. Um, and well, how many years is he under contract for? That's what I'm going to check. He's oh, he's got another year with EF next year. He's 22 years old. If you're, I think there'll be some other teams sniffing around. Borahans Grower, Quickstep. He's a uh, yeah, he's an absolute animal, Stefan Bissiger. Bing Bang Tour. Bing Bang, yeah, exactly. He got 12 last year, so he can definitely do better in that this year. For sure. He can, go, he can be a GC candidate for Bing Bang Tour GC. Uh, yep. Tomorrow's stage starts from start again, goes to Lurkabad, 176Ks. We've got the first proper hilltop finish of this year's Tour de Suisse and a stage that Mathieu van der Poel will not be contesting. They have Cat 1, what's called a Cat 1 at the door, 7Ks, 5%. It's not that bad. Then a long descent and then a long valley of like 100 kilometers before a series of hills gradually getting a bigger start, 3.2Ks, 4%. Then they do the Urschmatt, the hardest climb of the day, 8Ks, 8.4% descent. Then a finish up to Leukabad, 4.1Ks at 7%. I just want to see that profile because it looks like, to me, the, the Urschmatt climb, pretty regular. The finish, though, seems to level off from the, from 2,000 metres to go to the last K, and then it kicks up even more at the line. So I dare say the finish is quite steep. And uh, I think Alaphilippe is is going to win this stage. I think that's a good a good call. I don't want to say the same name, and uh, therefore I'm going to go uh, ham, and I'm going to say that the winner of this stage is going to be. Oh, why do you always do this to me? Why do I not think about it before we get to this point of the podcast? Edward Dunbar, such a long way. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying Edward Dunbar. <laughs> I, uh, I'm also not saying the likes of a pulls or so forth. 
I'd love Antonio Nibali to win, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the name of Shockman. Meh. I don't know. Shockman's good call. Rick Costa. To the Swiss, why not? Zero chance. Rui Costa wins. (laughs) All that I've seen from Rui Costa, the hit to the Swiss so far is crashing and then peeing today. So I don't think he's Bike throwing, technically. Yeah, bike throwing as well. Not over the line, but like literally. (laughs) Do we have racket? Like there's racket abuse in tennis to see. Is there an equivalent (laughs) in cycling? Anyway, to the Swiss tomorrow, there should be a big GC shake up, one would think, at 8K, 8.4%. Maybe we'll see something there. Maybe Carapaz attacks early and then goes on the descent. Wouldn't surprise. That could be a good option. The problem is the stage is really easy before then. It's 100Ks of flat, so it's difficult for the guys of this caliber to be have a really real selection on that, but it's a hard climb. 8K is 8.4%, but one to tune into more tomorrow than the one today. Next stage, next race that we're going to do is the Tour of Slovenia. Before we get to that, I'll mention our show partner, LaCole. LaCole produced performance cycling apparel. It's backed by Aero Wind Tunnel Testing. They have the LaCole McLaren Project Aero collaboration. It's precision engineered Aero and it's been co-developed with McLaren's Aerodynamics in order to deliver kit that outperforms the competition. So it's not free speed, speed you can purchase. If you want to check out our show partner LaCole, then you can see them in the description below. There's also the LaCole Strava official challenge where if you record 300 active minutes or complete a 160-kilometer ride in under six hours, you go into a draw to win two, for two chances to win the complete LaCole McLaren Project Aero collection. But now on to two of Slovenia. Two-dot pro race, don't typically do them, but the Tour de France champion, is preparing for the tour this year at the Tour of Slovenia. I did a little preview video on my channel. We won't do a preview here in the interest of time. The profile today, sprint stage, 153 Ks, like one cat three climb, uh, some rolly climbs that really nailed on sprint stage finishing in. Rogashka Slatina. The best sprinter here is Phil Bauhaus. The best trained here is Baron Victorious on the team of Phil Bauhaus. So he was the heavy, heavy favorite. Who are some other low-key sprinters on the start list, Benji, that maybe people haven't heard of before? Well, for example, we've got Abadastri here for Kaharural. We have Rui Oliveira for UAE, a rider that actually um, has been doing lead-outs quite a lot of times before. I think in the Vuelta last year, he was doing so for Philipson, if my mind serves me right. Alan Banashek and Raim for Mazovshe. We have uh, the likes of Malucelli here for Androni, that Polish dude on Bingo, Aniolkowski. We've got um, perhaps Rob Stannard. I don't know. Could be, I guess. And um, I think there's some other names in there that could do decent in a sprint, but those are the main figures that I was looking at before the stage. And uh, I think that I was slightly hoping I'd see something of good old Restrepo, the guy that was doing that Vuelta climb at high percentages a few years ago. I think the stage that Kudus did well in as well, but I don't remember uh, at all which stage it was. It was like three, four years ago. But anyway, that is basically it when it comes to the uh, sprinters in my eyes and a lot of like Slovenian riders that get their say and get their attempt at riding their home race and, well, some in their Slovenian country colors. So good stuff. Good to see some talent in uh, Slovenia because this is also where we are. Found out about Pogacar a bit, like you mentioned on that video you just plugged and I replugged just a second ago. But I also had an eye on uh, Marcus Hulgar for uh, UNOX. He's been doing decent as well. And um, he's, uh, well, 
quite technically uh, good. <laughs> yeah, he's a good cobbler. He could be a good cobbler maybe in the future. Good at like punchy clients to yeah. a flat finish. Maybe he's really young. You know, he's got a lot of young, talented guys. But yeah, Bauhaus was the out-and-out favorite. And it was up to Bahrain to control the break of the day. They kept it in mean, the opposite apples and oranges to Tour de Suisse. Tour of Slovenia, they got that at you know three minutes two thirty. They're keeping it in check all day. You know it's going to be a sprint finish, and I mean it pretty much was. They brought the break back with about thirteen k's to go. There was the token. I think the team Slovenia rider attacked with eight k's to go. Um, you sometimes see that from like the uh, wildcard teams in the World Tour or something on the nailed on sprint stages, and then it's all, the, the difficulty I found is with Tour de Hungary, which I was watching, and now is. Um, the team of Michael Reim and Bahrain, their kit looks almost identical. They almost, I think they even have the same helmet supplier and they're both always going for the sprint. So it looks like there's nine Bahrain guys <laughs> leading up, but instead it's only five with like four Ks to go. And let me just read out, you know, their sprint train. Hausler, who needs no introduction, experience. The king of cobbles, yeah. the Roubaix future winner of this year. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. We, we both like Heinrich Hausler. Jan Tratnik, Marcel Seberg, <laughs> who was Greipel's lead-out man for ages, I think. Retiring, on, right? On Lotus Sedal, retiring at the end of this year, yes. Um, 39 years old and in the experience as well. Mohoric, uh, Kevin Inklar, Tratnik, if I haven't mentioned, and Jonathan Milan, who is a 20-year-old Italian, who big, big guy. You know, he's oh, 6'3", 6 <laughs> at least. He's always... With his tongue out at the front of the peloton. Oh, really? <laughs> it's so you, funny. I think they had him chasing today. Anyway, he's huge. Big draft behind him, you know, and, and sprinter as well. So he won a stage at the Baby Giro last year. So really talented and experienced sprint train. For a race like this, they did, they did what they needed to do. They basically dominated the front all of the last six kilometers and then dropped off Bauhaus. There's a slight right-hand soft bend, dropped him off with about well, 175, 200 to go. Bauhaus kicked and as he showed at Hungary, in a sort of, compared to this sort of competition, he is too good. Although coming second and pushing him very close, maybe were it not for the lead out for Bauhaus and him having the shorter line around that bend, Aberastri, who Benji mentioned, was very quick. And if this was another 50 metres that Bauhaus had to sprint, maybe he doesn't win this stage. Uh, but otherwise, the interesting note, I think, for the results is, as Benji mentioned, Rui Oliveira for UAE Team Emirates coming third. They didn't go for Trenton. They didn't go for Ulysses. Yep, surprising. Yeah, I, I was. I thought they'd go for Trenton, Benji. Like, Surely this would have been a chance. His days, I forgot he was here until you mentioned it just a second ago. This must mean his days are done going for sprints, right? Well, flat sprints, they, they should be. Like, yeah. he's never been an amazing flat sprinter. He's always been uh, to the far directions of a, of a top 10 in that. Well, in this competition, he might be able to do decently, but might as well give the opportunity to a rider like Rui Oliveira, who's 24 years old and who actually has, like, a potential future in flat sprints ahead of him. Perhaps lead out, perhaps sprinter, we don't know it yet. He might still break through by the end of uh, this season or next season. But all in all, I think that it's good that they give youngsters, uh, well, opportunities, while yeah. Trenton has uh, has other goals this season, probably. 
Yeah. Fourth is Anielkowski. Stanislav Anielkowski is Polish national champ for bingo. Um, bingo Al, bingo Al, sorry, bingo Al. He came Love fourth. <laughs> Maluchelli fifth. Edmondson sixth. They didn't actually go for Rob Standard Bike Exchange. Edmondson seems to sprint. Banaszek seventh. Christensen and Bostock ninth. Both on Canyon DHB Sun God and Alonso tenth. Now, I seem to recall in one of the races David Decker won last year. I think with Canyon there was two two Canyon guys. I think the team might have changed name. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah whatever the canyon were called and they both sprinted and they weren't happy with each other i think one of the yeah brenton jones was sprinting against his like teammates just about but anyway that little anecdote aside from a sort of one one race in belgium in 20 2020 otherwise and you're complaining that i remember uh <laughs> joel citroen the tour of turkey in our swiss podcast yeah it is a bit outrageous <laughs> i guess uh, tomorrow's stage is a little bit more complicated than today's stage at the Tour of Slovenia uh, because we've got two climbs during this 148k stage from Isarek to Chelje. 4.8k is at 7%, then a valley of 40 to 50 kilometers, then the Svetina climb, 5.2k is at 7.7%, then a descent, short little valley, then a punch up to the finish of 2k is 7.2%. I think. I think UAE will go for Ulysses. I think Pogaccio will lead out Ulysses. I don't know why I think that. I don't know why. But I think they're going to ride for Ulysses tomorrow. Who are you picking for well, the stage, Benji? I think they could combine both. You know, Pogi's here to test out his legs probably and might as well do so with a small attack on that Svetina climb perhaps. And then if True. the group comes together, you've got Ulysses for the final climb. So I think there's a lot of options here. I think that UAE will decide how the race is ridden most likely. Although I'm always curious what happens when it comes to uh, other riders in this race, because we're saying that this is a one-man deal, this Tour of Slovenia, but I've seen uh, I've seen surprising things in the past already. So uh, he's, well, I do expect Pogacar to win GC, but perhaps a stage like this could have a, a relatively surprising winner that we didn't see coming in the first place. Maybe a resurrection of Bataglin after 10 years. <laughs> is there's some guys that maybe 10 years ago we would have been picking Visconti <laughs> Patrick Lynn on Bardiani <laughs> um, Visconti I mean he's won a stage at Slovenia I think in 2019 so maybe Visconti for top three top four uh, who else would I like for that is Fellini, can Fellini finish or does he, does he need the climb and then a flat finish from a reduced group or, or standard is standard the same as Fellini in that respect Hmm. The problem with Fellini is that he's really inconsistent when it comes to actually winning stuff. I think he won that Italian race last year, but nothing really more than that in recent years. So I don't really expect too much from Fellini personally. I don't know. I feel like they might focus on Romo for the entire Slovenia just to try and get him a good GC, which is likely he's probably going to top five this thing. And um, I think that their focus might lie there instead of Fellini, for example. But I also want to point out the rider that was in the breakaway today, Jonas Iversby-Wiedeberg. He uh, won the U23 uh, European Championships last year in that Blue Way parkour. Um, and he won that on, a, on an uphill sprint. And yeah, we know that hilly parkours, perhaps this is very much alike. It's also the same guy that um, had the photo finish at the Norwegian Championships last year with Bistrim and they didn't know who won. And they didn't have a photo finish, so they had to go on the feeling of the uh, of the jury commissaire who decided Bisham was Norwegian winner. So, <laughs> while well, I'm still saying that Vida won that race, 
Okay, I didn't know that about him. You know X is always one to follow. Yeah, tomorrow should be an interesting stage. I'm particularly going to be watching closely to see what UAE try and do. Do they try and get you will see a bit of a buffer on GC? Because certainly Pogaccio will be putting significant time into him on stage four. But now on to perhaps, well, I think the most exciting race of today of our triple header. Our su- country. A super Wednesday. I didn't know I wouldn't go that far. Benji, you do produce some <laughs> exciting racing, but... Your tax regimes and and weather just leave a lot to be desired. 176Ks, the Balwaza Belgium Tour kicked off with an absolutely stacked field. I mean, it's too pro, but it's got Ackerman, Ewan, Ballerini, Stibar, Cavendish, Evenepoel, Groenewegen, and Echov, Boll, Nitzolo, De Bont, Merlier. Uh, I'm just and that's just reading. I'm just reading random names off the list. It's in, insane that we've got how many world tour teams? Nine world tour teams. It's yeah, it's absolutely stacked race. And I think that's uh, you know, don't tell Benji, but Belgium really is. Well, I still think the the heart of cycling. But yeah, the the profile for this race flat pretty much, and then they go and do some reps of a circuit, which includes the Bergton Holt. We have a gold. It says golden. Is golden in, in Dutch golden, Benji? I, I, mean, I have no clue what you're talking about, like genuinely. The word for golden. Is it golden? Golden. G-O-U-D. Gouden. But yeah, that's a problem because like I'm, I'm West Flemish, which means that I pronounce every G like an H, and we get laughed at for the entire country because of that. So for me, it's golden, but it's technically golden. <laughs> Okay, Howden Kilometer is with 160 k's to go now. You remember that from the Bink Bank Tour last year, an absolutely fantastic gimmick where you get there's three bonus seconds on offer with at the, in three times in a kilometer. So zero meters at the start of the Golden Kilometer, Holden Kilometer, you get three, two, one, then 500 meters to go, three, two, one, and then at the end of the the uh, golden kilometer three two one so nine seconds available for whoever leads through there and other than that it was a rolly course it was quite difficult got some cobble climbs not too nasty then it's finished with a bit of an uphill drag they do the berg tunnel to close to the finish and yeah just a nasty course to start the race and that was what was surprising to me benji uh, i want to start with caleb ewan and lotto trying to stay at the front on the hard part of that circuit uh, the break was about one twenty, one thirty. Was that to with the road so narrow? Was that so they could control the pace to keep it slow when they had Frizon and Co at the front with Ewan? I would have guessed so. I would have guessed that they were trying to uh, get this towards a decent sprint with, well, Ewan for them. But some other people weren't really agreeing with that, and um, I think we easily saw that going into the last portion of the race. But all in all, I think that indeed sprinter teams were trying to keep it controlled while. Teams that don't necessarily have the pure sprinter here because, for example, De Koenig was planning to go here with Bennett. They have Cavendish here as a replacement because Bennett has a knee injury or something. And um, as a consequence, I don't believe that they were going to like directly say, ah, oh, Cavendish, he's on the same level as Caleb Ewan. So, nah, I don't think so. So I think that they're going to be more aggressive throughout the stage and perhaps try something. And that's uh, something we saw because I watched this race the last 30 kilometers. I got to be honest about that because I was focused on the two races we were supposed to cover instead of the one that we were not going to cover. And then my Twitter lit up because I received by, I think, Joe Wakelin uh, a message on Twitter 
Ramco's attacking, Ramco's attacking. And I was like, okay, I gotta watch this now. <laughs> some OG, uh, some OG Ramco is always welcome, even though it's like he was 18 back then. So I'm not sure it's that OG. But uh, all in all, we saw a move by Remco, and I think that did anything happen beforehand or? Uh, I think it's just it was the race was split apart. I think Ballerini and Lampard were like being a bit aggressive. Gilbert had been aggressive as well. Mm-hmm. I think the sprinters teams, you know, they got um, Ewan in particular here, Cavendish as well, but Cavendish also got Ava Nepal on the team. The sprinters teams were trying to keep it slow, just trying to hopefully bring back the break gradually but this circuit was really tough and i think it you know we saw that with sprinters like ballerini when even went up the road ballerini tried to bridge with philip gilbert or not bridge he was marking philip gilbert and was sitting on him the whole time not helping him and with the 26 degree heat in this hard circuit he eventually cracked completely so yeah ewan eventually got dropped i think off when gilbert was accelerating as well but yeah an, a vintage avonapol attack and he brought with him campanats and then he mopped up two guys benji do you have any insight on these these two riders with him uh, gianni marchand and robbie heiss from tartaletto isarex and sport vlander and balwaza respectively do you know much about their backgrounds i think that heiss has a track background i don't know uh, to what extent so I can't tell you if he's great at it or not because I don't exactly follow uh, track cycling to the bone. But uh, I know that he had that. Marchand I've seen in the breakaway quite a few times. I can't tell you how good he is uh, because, yeah, usually breakaways do get eaten up by the peloton towards the end of the stage on the majority of races. And um, those two riders, well, I think they there was another rider in there somewhere. Um, I don't know which one, though. But uh, they indeed got mopped up by Remco and Campenards and... The second that Remco attacked, I don't think Campenarts took over for more than 10 seconds from that point onwards for the next 20 kilometers, nor the other people that he mopped up, which is insane to think about. And then you question, is it because if Remco is attacking, they know he's going for GC and they can benefit off of that? Or do you think that it's more the situation of Remco's pacing so damn hard is what's sort too high to try and uh, take over here? I think they just were on the limit from the initial bridge, uh, particularly Kapanas visibly looked on the limit. I think it's really hot conditions and particularly with respect to Kais uh, and uh, Martians, they're going for the stage. A stage win for them is a huge result. They're not here for GC. There's no chance they can win GC. They've gotten a break perhaps just for advertiser exposure. What better advertiser exposure than to try and be in a break with now a Remco Avenapol with all the cameras and you know Benji said his phone lit up you know everyone's starting to tune in oh my god Avenapol's on the move um, what better advertising for them so just sit on for as long as possible try and hang on as long as possible so I think what they did was perfectly logical I think what we saw later with Campanas eventually dropping on one of the climbs off the back of Remco's pace was an indication that he wasn't feeling great he was on the limit he eventually pulled off to the side of the road he looked like he had cramps he had to get off his bike and stretch out his hamstrings or calves so Campanazzi had dropped off the pace of Evan Paul and Evan Paul's pacing the whole way they had the golden kilometer he takes three 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 I think with Campanazzi on his wheel taking two two yep. two and so Evan Paul takes a nine second buffer on GC and yeah, he just he's looking good, and the chase behind really the, the main team having to chase Benji was Alperson, and 
I was thinking, oh, that's for Merlier, right? But then they've got Jasper Philipson as well. I'm not sure if Merlier had been dropped, but they've got Jasper Philipson, who, who was good uh, good in this sort of race. They've also got Dries de Bont. Are you surprised that Alberson couldn't get more organised to chase this back? Because they had Riesebeck, they had the numbers. I thought they could have made more of a dent in Alien Ball, particularly because, I don't know, he, he caught two guys that had been in the break and they were, they were able to hang on with him and he pretty much was able to hold a gap constant. I, I feel like there was there must have been more to the chase behind. Uh, there must have been quick step blocking or Alperson not being able to ride full for some reason. Well, in the initial in the initial point, we had the, a counter by Gilbert there, which, well, was an attempt, and that caused Lotto Zedel to sit up in the peloton while Gilbert was doing that move. And I think at that exact moment, we noticed that Ballerini was in that wheel. Ballerini just died instantly in the wheel of Gilbert, just parquejo on the next climb. But that reduced the people that were doing stuff in that other group. And Quickstep was indeed blocking every second that they could. And it took a while for Alpacin to move to the front and actually take over. And I think it took until, well, a few minutes before Gilbert got caught, like a good seven, eight kilometers later. So definitely like the chase wasn't going very optimal. And the um, getting together just after the attack for Alpacin was troublesome. Perhaps Philipson might have been a bit in trouble at the end of the group. And they had to wait until he was uh, in proper place again to start hammering it at the front of the peloton. So all stuff like that can definitely uh, influence the chase. And I think it indeed started, well, toning down a bit because it went from like 37 seconds to uh, 30 seconds, the second that Rizabek indeed came to the front of the group. And that was an exact moment where at the front, Evenepoel complained to the rest of the group with 8K to go. Come on, like, I can't do everything here alone. But let's be real, he was going to have to do everything alone at that point because he had been doing it for the last 20 kilometers. And um, I thought, this looks like Rizabek is going faster. But every single time, Evenepoel just kept riding and he kept riding and he must have been stronger than the peloton today. Like, I, I, you can't say much else about it. Like, he kept the gap and he expanded it a little bit when... Alpacin's train, well, went a bit slower at a certain point, and Alpacin, well, I think Lotto came to the front again. I don't know what the point of Lotto there was, probably to like reduce the gap again so that Gilbert has less of a disadvantage in GC after this stage, stuff like that. So towards the end, they started working together in the peloton again, but I think that the chase certainly was not optimal, but I do think that being able to keep yourself and that group ahead of the likes of Rizabek like that is pretty damn impressive. and to push so hard that Victor Krampenarts decides to exist. Um, I'm, taking a, I'm taking a claim of that joke. Uh, Thomas Hent posted it 45 seconds later than me on Twitter. So technically, I'm the copyright holder of the joke. But <laughs> all jokes aside, um, we had a, a powerful Evenepoel. But there was a moment there where Robert in the uh, front tree went off-road for a bit. And Evenepoel had a bit of a gap. The uh, Marchand guy had to go past Robihais and try to close it down. And 10 seconds later, we saw the group again and they were together again. So I don't know. It looked like Evenepoel was pushing a tiny bit there. But then again, if he really pushed, he I feel like he should have been able to drop them there. And I'm surprised. This, the, yeah, the same situation happens on the Berchtinghout just after that. Uh, the last climb of the day, which means that he went over that climb and didn't like... He did accelerate because, like, he went faster and he was biting his teeth. But the fact that they were able to hold on does show that 
this might not be PK Evenepoel yet, and he might indeed be going towards Olympics in best form, as that is his main goal of the season, which right now is looking pretty good for, I'd say, and tomorrow's a time trial, so we might prove it again, but back to the stage. Robeke is back on the wheel, Marchand back on the wheel, and Evenepoel still hammering it in the final few kilometers. We know that Evenepoel's sprint is terrible. I also was surprised that he couldn't gap them, but he tried twice. He When he saw that they made the mistake through that corner, he went... He must have gone full, and he tried to push on the climb. I think eventually he's probably still not at full fitness, as well as these guys were sitting on it. I know they'd been in the break, but they'd been sitting on his wheel for over 20 kilometres, not pulling at all. Um, so that's certainly a big advantage. And, yeah, he got to the final. And he's also, Avon Paul's riding for GC partially as well. They're going just yep. for the stage. He's going for GC. That's why... When it comes down to it, he's going to lead out the sprint because if he sits up and they start doing cat and mouse, well, he's going to lose. He only he's only 25, 30 seconds ahead of the peloton. You're going to do all this work for an you know 45, 50 minutes at the end of the race plus to then give it back in the last 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and then it's all for nothing, and you probably still lose the sprint. So Avon Paul leads out the sprint. He's very unlikely to win that sprint, and he doesn't. He Marchand jumps early. Avon Paul actually kicks and. Looks like he's beating him, but Robbie Hayes comes from his left-hand side on this uphill drag and destroys Avonapol in the sprint for Sportslander and Balwaza. Big win for him. I think he won a stage of the Ras in 2018. I think Sportslander's last win, I'm trying to look, did they win a race in 20? They didn't win in 2020. They didn't. They won a, the Tour de, la Metro, Tour de l'Euro Metropole with Piet Allegaard in 2019, and they won that stage of the race with Robbie Chais in 2018, and they won three races in uh, 2017. So a dot pro win here is, oh, I think Euro Metropole might be that, but this is their biggest win for almost half a decade. I haven't even gone back further, and they beat Avonapol as well at the finish. This is That's why he sat on. That's why he was celebrating so much. And that's why a lot of this made sense to me, Benji. But we've, we've got some people saying Remco, and even commentary, Remco stuffed up. Remco should have tried to drop them more, Rem, you know, et cetera. Do you agree with that? Was, did he tactically stuff up this stage? Well, it's an assumption for everybody. I feel like he tried twice and it, it didn't work out. Like if he had the power, he probably would have properly dropped them at some point. So I think that maybe people are overestimating him a bit like his main goal is gc here he doesn't really care too much about the stage he probably wanted it but it's not the overall goal here the overall goal is gaining time and to make sure that you've got a bit more of an advantage going into the time trial tomorrow where you where will probably extend his lead again for gc so in all honesty he's at the lead he was the last leader in 2019 at this race he's the first leader in 2021 at this race and i don't see an easy way of getting rid of him unless he has bad luck and crashes somewhere. It's like that stage in stage four of the Palazzo Belgium Tour in 2019, a similar length, 150K, some hills. Evenepoel was yep. in a move with Campanats and Kroen, and they sat on his wheel all, to, all day, and they beat him in the sprint. And but he was, you know, 52 seconds ahead on GC, extending his GC gap on everybody else. So, yeah, GC-wise, that's... And I think this goes further to... Or how can Everpol solve this? Because his sprint is terrible. That's not <laughs> ever gonna. I don't. His sprint is never gonna be good. I don't yeah. think. 
what can he do differently as a guy who everyone's going to say, well, you're trying to gain the GC time. What can he do differently? And I guess nothing <laughs> when there's guys with those sort of motivations in his group. All he can do to get them to work with him is to agree that he'll give them the stage uh, in certain situations. Yep. So, But the problem there is that I don't think they would have been very helpful. And I think even Evenepoel pacing at a, at a tired pace, would have been most likely faster than the other people taking over because they didn't look like they were having too much left except for Kais for that final sprint. But if it comes down to the final 200 meters, it's all or nothing for those people. And I think Kais found something uh, extra. And it's not like he was sparing energy for the sprint, most likely. He was trying to uh, hold on to the wheel, most likely. Exactly. It's difficult in these Belgium races where even if Evanpol says that, they'll be like, well, you running tempo might drop me on the next climb. I don't know. If yep. So they're like, I'm not putting anything additional yep. in. Whereas in a, in a Grand Tour on like a flat stage or something where you catch the break, like all oh, Basque Country, David Godou and, and Roglic is a good example of, of where that can sort of work. But it doesn't work in these sort of punchy Belgian races, or particularly when the ability discrepancy is is so big between the two riders. But tomorrow's stage from Nokaheist to Nokaheist, it's the TT 11.2 Ks. Avonapol is he came second today, so he's first on GC because of the Golden Kilometer rule. He or that he won, so he took nine seconds there, then lost four seconds back to Heist in the sprint, but came second. So. Yeah, he's first on GC, highest second, five seconds back. The next best, biggest GC contender, Philipson, is at 43 seconds with Schelling, who was a big contender for GC, and uh, Enkhorn, etc. The TT tomorrow, Avonapol should should probably put time into them as well. I'm not sure how much, 10 seconds, 12 seconds, I'm not sure. But if he's going into the later stages with a minute, that is certainly a big help as well. Uh, but, yeah, who do you think wins tomorrow's stage, Benji? Tomorrow's stage of the Bawaza Belgium Tour will be won by... Hmm? Okay, let's be real. It's There's only one person I've got on this damn list, and it's... Uh, Harry It's Sweeney. definitely not... <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I'm looking for competitors. Like, I'm really looking for competitors, but it's very hard to find them. Like, it's a short one. It's, it's a very short one, which means that there could be competition. But who? Uh, Campanots? Like, Oh, he's he's a classics writer now, mate. <laughs> is he? I don't know. Is he trying in the TT? If he was like fully locked well, into TT going? life, no. Sorry, Decker, Decker, Decker. The reason why I'm saying that is because he had that good first time in in the last Giro time trial because he sprinted the first portion of the time trial. If he sprints this one, <laughs> all right. Well, in, I'm I'm desperately looking. Okay, let's be real. Like in the 13k uh, flat TT. In UAE, Decker, where did it come? Ah, uh, no, we're not gonna. No, 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 no. We're not. We're not gonna go there. It's even a portion tomorrow's stage, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's the out and out favorite for tomorrow's stage. But you know, this is cycling. Weirder things can happen, particularly in an eleven k TT. If it was a thirty k TT, I think we'd be even saying it's ninety five percent. Nothing sure in the short. Mullen top five. Yeah, maybe. I mean, who knows how his legs feel after today, Evanapol? Mate, I, I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. But how's Helling's time trial? Because like that's the interesting. Oh, one. it's actually decent. Afon on yeah. the first stage on Itulia. Yeah. And when it comes to GC, I feel like he might be the uh, underdog competitor of an Evanapol on this. He's been uh, winning, which is good. He won that Hippe Hippingen, 
um, race in Switzerland. So I think that Schelling might be uh, one of the riders that could be good in GC after this and definitely after tomorrow's time trial. All right, that's our recap of Belvoir's Belgium Tour Stage 1. Other news is that Juan Ayuso is dominating the baby Giro. Uh, we'll have to catch up with that mate for one pod at the end because he's signed for UAE for like five years, but he is absolutely destroying the competition there. But if you enjoyed the triple header, make sure to leave us a review on podcast players, but otherwise we'll see you with the recaps of some of the stages tomorrow. Ciao.